This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. The Big Interview with Offscript. William. I'm your uncle, Argyle. Is that why you killed Marie? You killed Marie. The minute you climb into a car. I'm a patriot. I serve my country. And Danny Zorn, what was he? Unlucky. I am surrounded by snakes and morons! Ramos, when you laugh, please do it at the same volume as everyone else. We didn't get you from a hyena farm. Thanks, Bob. Norman, you're a moron. Here's a strategy, oh. Tom. Why don't you pipe down until you come and tell me I've got a grandson coming? Hmm? Jerry, stand up. Stand up! Why can't he come to us? Well, I guess he's the president. Californian shrunken little raisin. Yeah, and it really did feel like we were in conversation at times with Logan Roy, particularly at the end of the interview, as you will come to hear in just a few moments' time. But he was thoroughly engaging. He went to answer the door halfway through the interview, then came back, ambled back to his chair, had all the time in the world for us, and he was happy to entertain all of our questions about succession and various other roles that he has played over the course of a distinguished career. So then, Brian Cox, let's get into this interview now, if we can, Chris. We started, of course, in the only place that we could. Yeah, well, he is out here to promote his autobiography, Putting the Rabbit in the Hat. We will get to that, but as you rightly point out, Rob, there was really only one place to start, and that is with Succession. And we wanted to know if he knew just how big of a success this TV show was going to be when he was first sent that first script. Take a listen. Well, there was no script <laughs> to start with, uh, which is typical of writers. <laughs> uh, there was no, I mean, there was a treatment and there was a pitch and it was, and it was with Adam McKay and Jesse Armstrong. I had a long conversation with them on the phone, actually, from here, from London. I was, uh, I was here and, Jesse was in Italy and Adam McKay was in L.A. And I knew as soon as the pitch started that this was going to be something rather considerable. And I just knew it was going to work. The character of Logan Roy, when you got the part, I would imagine you have your own rituals for learning a character, for for getting into character. Uh, Because there's such a fine line between... Logan's kind of charm and, and his likability because a lot of us you know can't help but like the guy yeah. on the show but yet he's such a deplorable person in so many ways how as an actor do you walk that fine line Brian the thing about acting is you don't judge your character you that would be fatal that's not what we do we have to present the man as he is warts and all but you also have to understand where the warts come from and, and all of us are part of our conditioning And there are several things in the script which shows a little bit about uh, about Logan's conditioning. And particularly the fact, you know, there's this common uh, preoccupation with the fact that it's based on the Murdochs. Well, it isn't. I mean, the only coincidence is he's got three sons and a daughter, and I've got three sons and a daughter, and it's not particularly, you know. So, and also the thing is that Logan is self-made. He's not inherited anything he's all he's, he's come right out of the 
as it were, at the starting post, uh, just uh, you know, creating himself as you've gone, as gone along. Well, Fred, you said that you don't judge your own character, but how do you feel about some of the other characters? Because oh, they're horrible. Is there, well, they, all, they all are horrible, but is there anyone that you find yourself rooting for the most or that you find is the most underrated? Well, I think the most underrated character is, and he's beginning to rate him, actually, uh, and he's and he's noticed that the, the fact that he's kind of is Tom, his son-in-law. Uh, I think you know, but he's he won't give anything away on that. But I think Tom is beginning to be someone because the as Terry Thomas, the old comedian, used to say, the others are an absolute shower. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem that Logan has, and this is the this is the nub of it, he loves his children. He, and if he didn't love his children, it would be so much easier. But because he loves his children, he's had to deal with them on a regular basis. Got to ask, Brian, it's great to have you on. It's nice to hear another Scotch accent as well. You, you've talked there about, you know, Logan Roy loving his kids in succession. What about your own kids and their reaction to your portrayal uh, of Logan Roy? You know, that's a very good question. I, I don't know. I, my kids tend to ignore me at, at every possible opportunity. So um, I, I would never, you know, they, they don't, they're not, I mean, they're very, they're nice kids, but they don't get into the, oh, dad, that was great. Oh, we thought you did that. You know, they, they're far too cool for that. You know? <laughs> and they, they treat me with probably the contempt that as far as they're concerned, I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Does the show have a moral, do you think, Brian? I mean, uh, it's... Well, the, 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 the show, the, the moral is the fact, you know, I, I've just done this documentary, which I'm very proud of, actually, which was a result of doing the show, which was about money and how money does corrupt and how money makes people, distances people from the world, from the realities of the world. And this is happening more and more. So the wealth gap is huge and huge and huge, and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what's so interesting about about our show, because it is essentially, in essence, and also because it's it's very, you know, most of our writers are British. I mean, we have the American, uh, the odd Americans to help with the vernacular, but the the sensibilities are very British and 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 really really quite socialist. So it's it's a sort of well, it's not. It is a satire of that kind of life. And actually, it's a reflection of where we've got ourselves to, where, where the sense of proportion is just gone. I mean, the gap is getting greater and greater and greater. And, and, and what I did, what I needed to do from, from my own sensibility was, you know, I was thinking, you know, because the show's been a huge success and I can't go anywhere now. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, Lost my anonymity, which I prided myself <laughs> on. You know, I've been an actor for sixty years, and as an actor, I managed to avoid all that. But finally, you know, in, in my latter days, it hit me with a vengeance. But that program, you know, that and I, I felt it was necessary to do that thing. It's called how the other half lived. When you see the wealth gap, you, you you really know where our show is coming from. It's so odd, and human beings are. As I get older, they are increasingly more and more stupid and disappointed. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think that's something very we'd succinctly. all agree with. <laughs> yeah, exactly that, yeah. The human race summed up in a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We are going to be talking more to Brian about highlights of working on succession, some of those anecdotes that he's going to share with us, and also learn a little bit more about his autobiography and you know the anecdotes that he shares within that book. 
The Offscript Podcast. We are in conversation with acting royalty with Brian Cox, a.k.a., for now at least, Logan Roy, one of my favourite characters. He appears in a show called Succession. There are many fans of that show, so and you and I included. Chris has dabbled his toe into it. He needs to watch the second season, I think it's fair to say, because it's a fantastic show. It's brilliantly written. It's incredibly funny. But for those not aware of the premise of the show, give us a little bit of a gist as to what Logan Roy and Succession is all about. Well, Succession, succession follows a billionaire family, essentially. So you have Logan Roy as the patriarch of this family. And it really true to the name of it, you have his kids who are <laughs> fighting to be the next in line. And it is ruthless and they are deplorable and it is brilliantly written because they're all kind of awful people and awful characters in their own different ways. And yet at the same time, yeah. it's riveting. So it is a show that has been acclaimed by critics as well. Um, so it is one that we have definitely enjoyed. And we will get to other aspects of Brian's career as well. But, of course, this is where we wanted to start because it's some of his most recent work and perhaps what he's most well known for amongst the general public. Yeah, and it is, it is amazing. I love how his kids have none of his talents as well, none of his gifts. He's a man who's grafted. In, in that opening sequence, you can see in every, in every sequence, it's always his back to his children. <laughs> He's always the sort of the, the lone, ma- the sort of businessman who's off kind of plowing his furrow and completely forgetting about the fact he has four kids. <laughs> and of course, they've grown up in this environment, which is they've been incredibly spoiled. And as a result, they don't have any of his drive or his instinct for business, but yet they have all of his deceitfulness and just nefarious behaviour. Entitlement is what it is. Now, we wanted to spend just a little bit more time on this. As the guys rightly point out, some of you out there we appreciate haven't seen this TV show. If you haven't, hopefully by hearing Brian, we'll lead you to check it out. It is incredible. Uh, And we wanted to find out a little bit more about the experience on working on the show itself. And of course, it's some of those amazing brutal scenes as you called them Sono boars on the floor I haven't seen this episode so you need to tell me it's just deplorable isn't it I mean it's one of the most standout scenes I've ever seen in television ever it just encapsulates the casual cruelty of somebody who's in a position of power and decides to use it ruthlessly the I depravity think. of it all. Yeah. It, it really mean, is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the, the casual cruelty is the best way to describe it. We won't spoil it for you. Yeah, we did reference that one to Brian and sort of say, you know, what were on this TV show the most impactful scenes for him to be a part of and also ones that the cast had the most fun creating? Well, you know, we would have a bit more fun if the scripts arrived on time. <laughs> 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 you know, that we could enjoy it, but we don't really have time because we've got to learn the bloody lines and go on with it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, it's tough. Uh, no, I mean, the scripts are great, and they are great. They're fantastic scripts, and they are gifts. And, you know, we're just very workmanlike. We get on with it, and we, you know, we, we follow our due diligence in relationship to the, to the material. And the material is very, very good. And, you know, and, and that's where you go, even so, how, doesn't matter how tough it is, it's still great stuff that we're producing. And, yeah, we have a good time. It's a very, we're a very good company. You know, we're a very, we're, you know, some of the sweetest, nicest, most talented actors I've worked with. And, and to watch the rise of certain actors, you know, how they've developed. I mean, like, um, well, for example, Kieran Culkin had never improvised in his life before he did the show. I mean, and they, I remember on the first step, and they always, they do, because essentially they're comedy writers. You know, they've written a lot of comedy. Jesse wrote a show called The Peep Show back in the UK. Oh, yeah. That was Jesse. Jesse right. created that. You know, we've got some great work. Tony Roach is the guy who wrote the uh, Board on the Floor episode. That 
we were all scared of that episode because it was so on on the nose but it was a great episode it was it was brilliantly written and of course wonderful to play it was it, it was extraordinary to play we just enjoy what we do we enjoy the work and uh and just wish we could get the scripts a bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask, Brian, I mean, looking at your background, it's remarkable. Obviously, you worked extensively. Royal Shakespeare Company, we know you've done an awful lot in theatre as well. I wonder how much that equipped you for the world there is, TV and film. How much of a great grounding was that for you? Well, my love was movies. My hometown is Dundee. And when I was a kid, we had uh, 21 cinemas. And I think I visited them all, you know, from the age of about... I mean, I started going to the cinema on my own when I was six. And uh, that was that was my love. In terms of some of the roles you've played, Brian, I mean, obviously, I've got to, I've got to mention Braveheart. Um, Chris is... Well, we're all, in fact, huge fans of that particular film. You must have been a little bit surprised when you heard that an Australian-slash-American <laughs> uh, actor was, was planning on playing the lead role in uh, the story of William Wallace. Well, no, I mean, I think that the thing is that actually it was interesting about Braveheart because Mel was actually offered the part of Rob Roy as well as finding the, the script of Braveheart. I'm of the opinion, it's a lesser opinion probably, but the better script was Alan Sharp's script of Rob Roy than Braveheart. Braveheart was, quite frankly, it's a great film, but it's a nonsense, <laughs> historical nonsense. Yeah. You know? I mean, it really is. It's... <laughs> I, I, pardon my pun, but uh, it's um, it's historical. <laughs> 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 and uh, but it's fun, and Braveheart was great for the country and really, really excited. And Mel, you know, I had no resentment about Mel. I mean, I think Mel, you know, he's a complicated man, Mel. You know, he really is, but he's a genius as a director. And I think that that was an extraordinary achievement on anybody's part, what he did in Braveheart. And he's he's bold, you know. He he, he has a goal, and he's an he's a proper actor. You know, people forget that Mel you know, was a, you know, if you if you remember, he actually played Hamlet. It was a very good Hamlet he did for Zeffirelli. It's an excellent film, and he's really good in it. And he's got a great vision. And and you know, he has his he has his Dark Knight of the Soul as well, don't we all? But uh, he's a good guy. I like Mel. Uh, speaking from a Scot to another Scot, Brian, you've got to give me a mark out of 10. I mean, Mel's Scottish accent could be doing with a wee bit of work, right? Oh, well, it's Scottish accent is the hardest thing for anybody to do, you know. Um, I mean, I mean, and it's also one of the problems, too, is among the younger actors like you, um, you and McGregor and uh, Jimmy McAvoy, you know, they've got, they've got credential. But there's a whole plethora of brilliant Scottish actors who don't have money value, you know, and that's always hard. That's tough for for any casting position. I mean, I'm doing it myself. I'm actually directing my first ever movie, which I'm going to be doing in Scotland. I'm doing a movie about a distillery, a family distillery called uh, Glenrothan. And it's about two older brothers. And uh, it's a great script. But again, it's a very, it has that, it's, there's a sort of Celtic sensibility about it, which is a lot of it is very unsaid in the script. But sometimes when you send it out, people say, well, what is it? And you go, they don't quite understand what subtlety is sometimes. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You've been so complimentary of so many of the different people that you've worked with, from the writers to the actors that you've worked with. In your long career over theatre, television, film, 
Are there any filmmakers, directors, or actors that really stand out to you that you've enjoyed working with the most? Well, yeah. I mean, I work with Lindsay Anderson, who I learned a hell of a lot from. I worked from a, with a very, very good uh, theater director who sadly died far too young. But his legacy has been carried on by his equally genius daughter called Michael Elliott. And his daughter is Marianne Elliott, who, you know, created the, um, she did the incident with the dog at night. She's done an amazing, amazing amount of theater work. I mean, I actually worked with John Gilgood. I worked with Lawrence Olivia. So I worked with these extraordinary sort of giants. I had the best time ever. And then, of course, the theater, you go into a different tradition. And it's that tradition of the theater that has helped me in terms of the range of my acting. So I'm actually grateful for the theater for that. And then you learn about you learn about how to play on camera, which is a, a, a great discipline. And somebody like Lindsay Anderson was brilliant at that. What's your view, Brian, on where the film industry is at in, in 2023? We've often bemoaned the, the lack of creativity in, in the kind of films that have come out in recent years. I know you were part of the Bourne films, which were such fantastic thrillers back in the early 2000s. And that was kind of the tipping point, wasn't it? After 2005, six, it started to sort of drift into this sort of superhero remake, reboot well, kind of, you know, there was a, there was a well, creative drain almost. Well, it's a money-making thing. You know, I mean, the, the Marvel and the DC franchises are, are money-making. I mean, my only problem with it is that, you know, you, you could say as allegorically they, they are interesting. But I, you see, the films I liked were films that deal with people, not with superheroes. I mean, superheroes are a myth. You know, it's, a, it's, it's a, you know, I mean, I loved all the Superman stuff when I was a kid, but it's a, it's a sort of kiddish thing. But it's sort of become a kind of, I don't know, I, I, I find it, I find the cinema, I think television has really stolen a march on the, on the mm-hmm. theatre. And I, and I think the reason television has stolen a march is because of the long form. I think you can do things now in television that you couldn't do in the cinema. I think the three-act drama is virtually gone now. Uh, and television has just a beginning and an endless second act that goes on for episodes and episodes, and then it comes to a conclusion. Whereas cinema still follows the three-act form, first act, second act, third act, and it's okay. But when you get into the sort of superhero thing, it just becomes highly predictable. Yeah. And whereas in dramas of real life, it's less predictable. You know, and I do. I wish people would make. That's why I like my the film I'm about to make because it's a story about a family. You know, and and you get into that family dynamic. Two brothers who separated. One brother went to America many, many years before, like 35, 40 years before. So he's kind of become completely American and thrown over his whole Scottishness. And the other brother, the older brother, which is the part I'm playing, he's stayed behind and run the distillery. And so there's that conflict and that conflict of cultures of what people. So those things you can investigate. But a lot of modern cinema doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the independent does, but they're, they're, you know, the independent voice is getting less and less listened to these days in cinema. 
the voice there of Brian Cox, who was just great value. He was fantastic with us, and we were in conversation with him for the best part of half an hour a little bit earlier on this afternoon. As he mentioned, he's trying to address that with his directorial debut, so keep an eye out for Brian's first film from behind the camera as well, as he mentioned towards the end of that clip. And he was speaking to us because he will be here in the UAE for the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. That is on February the 2nd. So if you do want to catch his session, you can still do so. You're absolutely right. He is out here to promote his new autobiography, uh, Putting the Rabbit in the Hat. And we left the final question to our good uh, Sono Rapani. Brian, you are joining us in Dubai quite soon for the Emirates Literature Festival. You have written an autobiography, Putting the Rabbit in the Hat. And as we think of autobiographies, you think about how candid to be and how much to share. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about spare and the idea that maybe a little too much was shared there. Was there... <laughs> 200 pages too much. <laughs> exactly. Was there an anecdote that you were a little bit in two minds about or unsure if you should actually put out there in your book? Uh, yeah, you're always unsure. I mean, I, what I try to do in my book is I tend to correct myself. If I go over the top, I'll say, you know that thing I said earlier on? Well, actually, things are different now. <laughs> you know, he, he's That particular person I'm talking about has moved on. You know, And I try to be as honest and as candid as I can be without being sensationalist you know, and, and telling a story of our business, which is so higgledy-piggledy and so unpredictable. You, you don't know where you are from one day to the next, you know. I just think that that's the key for me, you know. Well, we'll let you go, Brian. We really, really do appreciate your time. It's been fantastic catching up with you. I know you don't want to give anything away when it comes to succession. We're all very excited about the fourth season of that show. But if you could script your own ending for Logan Roy, how would you go about doing that? Sailing off into the sunset. (laughs) (laughs) And telling the rest of them to just (laughs) sailing off into the sunset. That's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Uh, Listen, safe travels over to the Middle East and we look forward to seeing you in Dubai and we really, really appreciate it. We thoroughly enjoyed that, Brian. Thank you. And I think that would make for a fitting end to the life and (laughs) times of Logan Roy. I mean, he really did just morph into his character (laughs) for those final few seconds, didn't he? But massive thanks to Brian. Looking forward to seeing him out here in Dubai and I hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope if you haven't yet seen the HBO hit show Succession, you may just check it out Chris you've got to watch the second season I will season. I promise you I think it's the fourth season that's out later this year I think in the spring I will get through two and three before it drops it's everything you love it's titillation it's gossip it's the, the life still, and times of the rich and famous we are still working on Kieran Culkin by the way I am still hopeful <laughs> that we do land we haven't been able to land Macaulay I thought it was Macaulay oh well, okay I didn't realise you'd shifted I've shifted moved on. We're, we're trying Kieran now All right, massive thanks to Brian at least we've got Logan Roy in the books here on Off Script <laughs> The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 